The BYU football program has plans to honor 30 players on Senior Day Saturday when they take on Oklahoma. Is that a nod to what they expect the roster to look like in 2024 and beyond as they continue playing the Big 12 Conference? We're also talking BYU basketball as they get ready to take on Southeastern Louisiana tonight inside the Marriott Center. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more with our friends at FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Simple as that. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. All right, let's dive right in on today's show. Some of you may have seen this earlier this week, but BYU has plans, as they announced, to honor 30 seniors on this year's team. I'm going to throw up the graphic if you're watching this on YouTube uh, with the list of guys that they have put out. Now, 15 of these players are actual seniors where they are out of eligibility and they're essentially being forced to move on with their playing careers. Those include such notables as Jackson Cravens, Ian Fitzgerald, Camden Garrett, Darius Lassiter, even though Darius Lasser, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, is actually a mistake. Because I believe he has at least one season of eligibility remaining. I think they've got that one wrong. But nonetheless, Atunaisamahe, Paul Miley, uh, Atunaisamahe, Paul Miley, uh, Simi Mawala, Malik Moore, Keaton Slovis, Deion Smith, Max Tuli, and AJ Vong Pachan all on that list. Those are all guys moving on. There's uh, no question that uh, a number of them have played important roles for BYU over the years or just this year in certain circumstances like a Jackson Cravens. There's even some guys who have been uh, former fan favorites, Chaz Ayu and Jacob Boren, who are out of eligibility and you wish them well. Uh, but they've all had their moments, it feels like, across the board on this list. Now, the others being honored is where it gets a little interesting to me. Uh, on that list include Isaiah Banya, defensive end, Tyler Batty, defensive end, Ben Bywater, linebacker, Caleb Christensen, cornerback, Kaylee BTN, offensive lineman, Talmadge Gunther, wide receiver, Ammon Hanneman, linebacker, Caden Hawes, defensive tackle, Braden Keim, offensive line, Connor Pay, offensive line, Ryan Rico, punter, Isaac Rex, tight end, Austin Riggs, long snapper, Aiden Robbins, running back, and Kingsley Suomataia at the the offensive line. Now, the youngest in terms of overall eligibility is Kingsley Suomataia, and uh, part of the conversation I wanted to have today was based on a question sent in uh, via Scott, who asked me, Jake, what do you think the chances are of Kingsley Suomataia being drafted? What, what, what do you think that uh, it stands for him? Because he, and Scott's estimation also adds this, I will note that I don't think he's had the most productive year, but do you think he still decides to go pro after this season? Now, it's a very, very valid question, Scott. But the point uh, that Kingsley Sumatii is latching on to, and it's one that I think it's lost at times when we think about the NFL and how guys perceive themselves and their value and all the other things that go into this decision, is that the NFL is drafting simply on potential more so than production, especially when it comes to offensive linemen. They look at Kingsley Sumatii and see a six foot six, three hundred and thirty pound 
man who is uh, now is probably 20 or 21 years old and moves extremely well for his size. He's going to test very well in terms of his overall agility, and the hope is that the strength numbers are there uh, as well. He's got all the arm length, according to what I am hearing as well from NFL scouts, in terms of the arm length you want for a tackle at the NFL level. So, Yes, the production for BYU's offensive line has not necessarily been elite this season. I don't think I'm breaking any news to anybody. We've seen that offensive line struggle, but... Kingsley Sulamati is still so highly thought of right now that there's no reason for him to ultimately decide to return to BYU. I think he has been approaching this season by and large by thinking, okay, this is my one uh, final year in college playing left tackle for BYU. Let's go out and make the best of it, and then we're going to take my fortunes to the NFL. So, it's it, like I said, it's nothing against Kingsley or anything like that. The production just doesn't simply matter in this case more than the overall potential of what Sulamati Ia can become. Hopefully that makes sense, Scott. So, uh, But with regards to other guys on this list, in terms of those uh, the non-senior seniors or seniors with eligibility remaining, however you want to term it here, there's some guys on here that I was surprised that uh, have been non-committal on what their futures hold, including Isaiah Banya. We had a chance to catch up with him on at media availability on Tuesday, and he said that he is going to make that decision in the offseason. He's fully focused, as he said, on Oklahoma this week and the season at hand. Now, I can understand that, but uh, Kalani Sitake has told us that the, these players have had conversations with the coaching staff uh, going all the way back to the bye week about what their future plans are, what they're thinking, etc. So there's been some conversation with Isaiah Banya. Other guys uh, that are on this list that I'm interested in are, include uh, Tyler Batty. Does, does he, uh, has he had just enough of playing college football and wants to try the next level? Maybe so. On the offensive line, Braden Kime surprises me a little bit. He may have uh, graduated, uh, etc. and may have that decision uh, being uh, weighed into this, but a guy like Braden Kime to me has spent all this time developing himself, his skill set, his body to become a starting offensive lineman for the BYU football program. Uh, does he want to step away now whereas maybe he could come back next year, be a full-time starter for the Cougars and then chase his NFL dreams? But that, that's not my decision to make. Let me be very frank about that. I was just surprised to see him on this list. Other guys I'm not surprised by. Isaac Rex, he all but confirmed uh, post-game on Saturday night that this is his final season as a Cougar. Ryan Rico at punter. He's got a monster left leg. I am still stunned that he's not one of the finalists for the Ray Guy Award this year, but alas, uh, it is not meant to be, and I I think he is uh, looking at his chances of going pro because he's a guy like many of these who have served missions for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so they're two or so years older than most of their counterparts in terms of the relative eligibility on their eligibility clocks in the the NFL's eyes, so there's 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 an interesting balance to be struck here. Now, the bigger point is, is looking at all 30 of these players, let's say all 30 of them decide to move on. Like I said, at least 15 of them are going to move on and some sizable names on that list. And along with the others, the others being honored list has some very sizable and recognizable uh, talent on it as well. The thought I had is, okay, is BYU uh, making a nod here to maybe uh, pushing towards a youth movement if the vast majority, if not all of these 30 players, decide to move on with their playing careers and go pro or just do whatever is next in life for them? 
Now, uh, BYU's been senior-laden for quite some time. The COVID year, they're, they're not uh, any, it's not unique to them. The COVID year has got a lot of rosters across college football just jam-packed with guys who've been playing, in some cases, as many as six, seven years. Uh, isn't there a kid at Miami that's petitioning for a record ninth year next year uh, for the Miami Hurricanes? Formerly, I think it was uh, Cam McCormick or something like that. He's a tight end that was at Oregon and played like six years there and now going to try for like a, a third year at Miami. But nonetheless... COVID years have really uh, kind of, I, I call it backlogged or just jammed up rosters in college football. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to have had this upperclassman glut that BYU's had along with other programs out there, but at some point, it feels like guys have been in just college way too long and they need to move on and make way for younger talent. I, I'm not saying that this senior class for BYU is not going to be missed because, like I said, that list of players, it is a mile long, it feels like, in terms of the overall talent and uh, the contributions that many of those players have made to the BYU football program in their careers. But here's the thing. Eventually, it gets it wears thin on guys who are upperclassmen. They've graduated from college, and football is really the only thing they have to, to, to look forward to during the day. And uh, let's be honest, college money versus NFL money still pales in comparison unless you're in like the top 1% of college football NIL athletes. And we're talking, those are the quarterbacks and the like. And even then, uh, if you can make NFL money, it still dwarfs in many cases what you can make uh, NIL-wise. So I'm just wondering if Kalani Satake and his coaching staff are looking at this and saying, you know what, we we had a bunch of guys exit the program a year ago. There is also still, by the way, the transfer portal discussion that's going to come up because once the season ends for BYU, whether that's a week from Saturday when they play in Stillwater or if against all odds they go out and win a sixth game and extend their season in the month into the month of December, the transfer portal is going to open all the same after the championship weekend, three weekends from now. And then you're going to see players entering and going out uh, in terms of searching for more playing time. So there is a potential for another mass roster overhaul for BYU here this coming offseason. But I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing. The thing about it is I've been pleading. You heard, you've probably heard me if you, I've been talking on this podcast about playing some of the younger players, especially along the offensive line when some of the production has slipped from other guys who are upperclassmen. So... Why not go all in on a quote-unquote youth movement for BYU? Am I saying they're going to play all freshmen and sophomores next year? Absolutely not. They actually have a number of uh, talented players who are upperclassmen that are coming back next year. But I think you also can consider that BYU is going to try to supplement this roster with transfer portal additions. But I think those transfer portal additions, based on I think the experience this year for the Cougars, are going to be more in the variety of at least having two seasons of eligibility, if not more than that, versus bringing in the one-year transfer and enjoying having their services for six, seven, eight months at the very most. So it's a very interesting balance to be struck here for the BYU football program. And I'm not 100% convinced that I'm I'm sold on them uh, completely turning over this roster once again because we saw them add nearly 60 new names via various means to this past uh, in this past offseason leading up to the 2023 season. And we've heard the uh, coaches talk about the fact that things have not necessarily gelled as quickly as they would have liked them to have to have done. So 
I'm just interested to see how this goes. How many of these guys, like I said, the 15 that are on the list that are the quote-unquote uh, eligibility, have extra eligibility seniors? Like I don't know. I'm butchering how I'm trying to describe these guys. The guys that have time, they can still play college football. How many of those guys ultimately decide to come back to BYU? How many of them, them, them want to come back to BYU, but BYU coaches tell them, thanks, but no thanks. We're going we're gonna to look towards the future here. That's the interesting debate I've got, and it's how much roster overhaul there will be for BYU, and will uh, expectations, um, I don't know, our, our thoughts on how BYU can compete in 2024 in a newly expanded Big 12 conference, uh, will that change with how the roster changes? That is a, a, a topic of conversation I'm expecting to revisit multiple times over the next month plus, leading up to the early signing uh, day window, transfer portal period, etc. as BYU heads off into their first offseason as a official Big 12 member. I also do wonder if BYU can pick up maybe more talent via the transfer portal now now officially being in the Big 12 Conference. That's the other conversation to be had. So I'm just spitballing a lot of stuff here, but if you guys have thoughts on this, do you think that BYU is trying to kind of, I guess, not trying to push guys out, but usher some of the upperclassmen on into the next phase of life, no matter what it might be, with the thought of building towards the future and just finally uh, having more of a normal, I guess, roster in terms of the, the stratification of freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors, and the like versus having a very uh, upperclassman heavy uh, roster. That So if you got thoughts about that, drop them in the YouTube comments below. Uh, send us a note on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at LockedOnCougars. Uh, if you're on X slash Twitter, my Twitter handle's right below it. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, Jacob C. Hatch. Or you can drop us a note, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. We'd love nothing more than to get your guys' feedback on that. Now, another topic of conversation with regard to the youth movement for BYU is does Kalani Satake does would a youth movement buy him extra time in terms of pressure or uh, the the I don't know the expectations as I mentioned a little bit earlier on how would that affect things for Kalani Satake and company we'll dig into that just a little bit uh, coming up here momentarily real quick need to get a word in on our friends over at eBay passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die vehicle alive my friends eBay Motors has everything you need from, to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and LED headlights, excuse me, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that victory my friends keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com now that's eligible items only exclusions apply ebay guarantee fit only available to u.s customers today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at uccu they've been working with us for quite a while now that's part of the utah community credit unions that have the learn and earn feature the uccu mobile banking app has an app inside of it called learn and earn that's paying your entire family to learn about money we all want to be smarter when it comes to our finances and how money uh, can work for us that's where uccu steps in they have broken down down these topics into fun bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. Every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that can accrue and be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and many, many more. There's a 
appropriate content for every member of the family. And the best part is you can compete against one another and track progress on leaderboards as well. Learn and Earn is inside the UCCU mobile banking app, so play it anytime, anywhere. And, of course, the more you play, the more you learn. And conversely, the more you learn, the more you earn via those gift cards. Learn and Earn, part of UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart Youth Banking Program, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun becoming more financially literate together. It's all courtesy of your friends at UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your day. Thank you for being everydayers with us here on the podcast. Uh, did you guys know that Locked On has launched their first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube? It's an incredible new feature. It's called Locked On Sports Today. It's here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, including yours truly, uh, plus our national shows covering every league across the sports spectrum. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube right now. All right. So as I mentioned, uh, Kalani Satake obviously has had a bunch of fans who are uh, feeling like that uh, he should be have a little more, I guess, heat under his seat. Uh, a number of you have expressed that on social media. Now, while I completely disagree that he should have heat on under his seat right now with regards uh, to his job status, the question I have is, let's let's just say he is going all in on a roster overhaul, a rebuild, if you will, and really kind of uh, saying, you know what, we're going to play the kids, quote-unquote, and let them grow up together and build towards maybe a, a, a point off into the future a little bit, more than just maybe looking at the end of this season into 2024 and looking a little bit beyond that, where in terms of maybe you uh, start young and build a roster that it becomes upperclassmen heavy over time. Would that adjust any of the expectations for how you would perceive the BYU football program right now? And would that cause Cougar fans, I guess, uh, uh, same time to maybe uh, back off the keyboard warrior uh, status and say, you know what, they have they have a concrete plan here. Now, if they are going to do this, the one thing that they need to be very, very clear about is expressing what the plan is to the fan base. You don't need to go into explicit detail and say, okay, we have plans for X, Y, and Z players, and if they don't develop this way, this is what we're going to do. No, essentially just come out and make the messaging be, hey, We've got a plan. We've decided, you know what, we had a lot of upperclassmen. We decided we were going to essentially kind of transform the roster here and start building something that we feel like can be more sustainable uh, from the ground up. That's not a slight to anybody that's been in the program before that, I don't think, nor is anybody that comes afterwards. I think the whole idea, if they were to go about this, like I said, I don't have any inside intel on this, is for BYU to benefit from the time that, remember, when the Jeff Grimes came to BYU in 20, 2017, no, it was 2018, excuse me, 2018. It was a slow climb, obviously. They went through the 2018, 2019 seasons with some inexplicable losses, along with some absolutely thrilling wins during those two seasons, both of them ending seven and six. And then in 2020, I know that there was the pandemic, it was a weird year, but BYU benefited from a lot of guys who played a lot of football together over the uh, earlier two years. And then they kind of grew up together in 2020 and also 2021 to a degree, benefited from that. Now, could you do that same thing? But would the, I don't know, would would you as Cougar fans be willing to endure that building process once again under Kalani Satake if it meant the payoff was in a similar circumstance where you're maybe towards the upper echelon of the newly uh, formed Big 12, maybe 
off into 2025 or 2026. Would you be okay being patient with that? Now, like I said, the, the build for BYU under Jeff Grimes during those three seasons, yeah, there were some really, really big wins. There are also some head-scratching losses along the way as well. Many of you might recall uh, Zach Wilson's first career start, wasn't it? It was against Hawaii, and he absolutely just was flying out of the gates. Then the following week, I want to say it was San Diego State, but I'm not 100% certain off the top of my head. I'm fairly certain it was the Aztecs, but they had a much better defense and Zach struggled mightily in his second career start. That's kind of the that's the trade-off you have if you start to really as I said kind of go all in on a youth movement for the BYU football program. You're going to have moments where it looks absolutely brilliant. The kids look like okay, they they know what they're doing here, but then the very next week they could be like what what are they doing here? They they, they took two steps backwards. Is there a, is there a, an appetite? I guess is the easiest way to say this. Is there an appetite for BYU fans and a, a I don't know a a, a a grace period? There we go. A grace period that they would allow that to happen once again under Kalani Satake. That I don't know, but I, I am interested to see if that may be something they they lean into here. Now I know these coaches are super competitive. Kalani Satake, chief among them, he wants nothing more than to have a competitive football program right now. And uh, despite some very overwhelming odds against them, BYU still sits at five and five, year one of the Big Twelve. Could they backslide a little bit in 2024 with the thought that they're going to spring forward in 2025, or uh, maybe uh, endure two down years and then spring forward in 2026? That is the question, and I, I am interested to see how they approach things. Now, if they don't go bowling this year, which very well could be the case, they could finish the season on a five-game losing streak, having lost what would be six of seven uh, down the stretch. Uh, they're going to have a lot of time for recruiting, and they're not going to have to worry about bowl preparations. Athletes will be able to just focus on school and getting their finals done. It will be a weird feeling, once again, because BYU has been very, very used to going on a bowl game or going out to a bowl game every single year. Uh, what was the last the 2017 was the first one they had missed in well, almost like two decades or something like that. So it, it's 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 almost an expectation for BYU to go bowling. But maybe just maybe if uh, the the season doesn't pan out the way that many of us hope it does, because trust me, I'm all for BYU playing extra games. It's good for business. It's fun to watch BYU and cover it. But uh, alas, if things look the way that they look with BYU being a heavy underdog this week against Oklahoma and a pretty uh, decided underdog against Oklahoma State the following week uh, going to Stillwater, they could be 5-7. and seven, And then essentially uh, the season's over uh, a week from Saturday. And then it's all in on the recruiting race up to early signing day. And then uh, we have to kind of lay off and sit back until spring camp begins March of next year. It's quite a bit of layoff here. So that's the interesting part is how is BYU going to approach this and will it change depending on how this season turns out? If you end up with a losing record or, like I said, against all odds, you find a way to pick up that elusive sixth win. There are... There's so much debate here, and I'm not going to come on and act like I am I, I I'm all knowing because I don't know what the plan is uh, per se inside the program right now. If I hear anything, I'd be happy to pass it along to you guys. But it's just a, a conversation that I thought was worth having with regards to what the future is going to look like for the Cougars. So we'll see. Uh, now I I did uh, catch a little bit of a 
I don't know, a little bit inside uh, knowledge when it came to being out of practice on Tuesday. Something I noticed uh, as I was standing on the field waiting for media availability to begin. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. We'll also talk about BYU basketball. They are in action tonight. They're taking on southeastern Louisiana. Now, if you don't know much about southeastern Louisiana, don't feel bad because I didn't either. We'll get up to speed on who southeastern Louisiana is coming up here momentarily. Now, a word on our friends over at FanDuel before we do that, of course. If you want to get in and score with the on the NFL season this season, my friends, you do it with our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Simply put, that's $150 if your team wins or any team you think is going to win uh, can get you that $150. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action and do it than right now. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, daily specials. They've got all kinds of different options. They have game-by-game specials like, hey, you think of this game, this player? They have all that available to you now. It's a fantastic feature. If you want to take BYU against the spread this week, it's been as high as 24 points uh, with our friends at FanDuel for BYU. You think they're capable of covering that spread against Oklahoma? Get on and do it with our friends at FanDuel. And if you bet that 5 bucks and BYU does win and shocks the world, well, guess what? You have a nice $150 nest egg uh, hopping into your account right away. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season in style, my friends. That's FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your day. Hoping to have a fantastic uh, Wednesday whenever you guys hear and or watch this. Hope you guys are uh, doing great. Now, a couple of notes for you guys. Uh, there's been the great cleat debate on, on social media after BYU was slipping and sliding all over their home field last Saturday. Well, I was at a practice on Tuesday, and I will uh, give credit to Ben Criddle on this because he kind of uh, lifted the lid on it. He said he talked to somebody inside the program saying that the vast majority of the players were wearing molded cleats. Who uh, The cleats have a certain length on them, but it was just not digging into the turf at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and that was, as a result, a number of those guys were sliding. Well, uh, Iowa State, it appeared, had studs, had the longer cleats on their uh, footwear that they were wearing in the game. Well, I was out of practice yesterday, and i got to say, I, I didn't necessarily uh, uh, make uh, heads and tails of everybody on the roster at BYU, but it sure appeared that there were a lot of guys wearing uh, studs in terms of longer cleats for BYU after practice yesterday. I'm not saying causation is correlation or correlation is causation uh, for BYU, but it sure seems to me that they got the message loud and clear that, hey, if the grass is going to be that slick, we need to have the studs. We need to have the longer cleats and guys get new footwear. So, I'm not saying that everybody did it, but I I know a couple of guys that I had noticed were slipping in the game. I saw new footwear on their feet, and they sure looked like they had much longer uh, studs, as they call them, the longer cleats. They can go up to, I think, like an inch or or so long. Uh, They were wearing those, and uh, hopefully it will uh, prevent more slippage uh, this week for BYU when they take on Oklahoma. All right. Uh, a couple other notes before we go on today's show is congratulations to BYU cornerbacks coach Gennaro Guilford. He's been named a Broyles Award nominee. It is the award that goes out annually to college football's top assistant coach. So congratulations to Gennaro. Typically, you only see coordinators get this honor, but awesome to see him getting his due. He's done a very, very good job with BYU's cornerbacks and uh, well-deserved honor to see him being among I think, 57 uh, coaches. They're on that list. So uh, best of luck to Gennaro as he pursues that award. It'd be cool to see him uh, get 
get an opportunity to be recognized more fully for his work with the BYU football program. Uh, other notes, BYU women's soccer, uh, not women's soccer, women's basketball uh, made a quick work of Utah Valley University in the Crosstown Clash. The Cougars won that game 59-44 last night. Uh, Kaylee Woolston, one of the better players on the team, dropped a career-high 19 points, making four three-pointers and also adding a, a double-double with 10 rebounds to lift BYU to now a 3-0 start on the season. So congratulations uh, to them on the victory. Uh, Lauren Gusson continued her absolutely dominant ways interior uh, on the interior. 13 points. 21 rebounds. Wow. She is just an absolute machine on the interior uh, for BYU women's basketball. So congratulations uh, to her. And then also BYU uh, men's basketball tonight. They take on Southeastern Louisiana. Now, uh, what do you know about Southeastern Louisiana? They are known as the Lions. That's their nickname. Uh, they come to BYU at 1-1 one and one on the season after losing 86-71 to to Auburn on the road uh, last Friday. They're led by fifth-year head coach David Kiefer, who is 54-71 during his time in Hammond, Louisiana, which is where Southeastern Louisiana is located. And their best player, according to the stats, is Roger McFarlane, who is averaging 19 points and eight rebounds per game following a 24.11 rebound double-double against the Auburn Tigers. So keep an eye on uh, Mr. McFarlane in this game. Uh, according to Ken Palm, BYU is ranked uh, 28th in the Ken Palm ranks. Meanwhile, Southeastern Louisiana is 213th. So uh, this should be a relatively uh, straightforward win for the BYU uh, basketball program. Uh, we are lucky enough here on Locked on Cougars, thanks to some of our uh, listeners, we have sent five uh, different people to this game uh, just via different means. A number of you have given up tickets that you're not able to use and have been so kind to donate them. Uh, so we're sending five different people. Uh, we've sent out five pairs of tickets, I should say. So I guess 10 different people technically are going to be able to go to this game uh, courtesy of the podcast. Hope you all have a great time, and uh, it's really, really fun. And hopefully uh, you can sit back and enjoy a victory as BYU basketball takes on Southeastern Louisiana tonight at the Marriott Center. That's a 7 o'clock tip. If you want to watch it, it's on Big 12 now on ESPN+, Plus, streaming only. So check it out, my friends. And then the final note I got for you guys includes a BYU men's volleyball. They have announced their 2020. 24 schedule. It begins January 5th when they take on Ball State at home. Uh, they'll have three straight road uh, series after that. Uh, two, two, uh, three straight road uh, matches after that. But then they have a, a run from late January uh, essentially for the month following into late February where they're at home for five straight weekends roughly. It's absolutely insane. But a big opportunity for BYU men's volleyball. Uh, congratulations to them. They are one of the uh, programs that if you don't uh, pay much attention to, uh, you can kind of get lost in the ether with regards to, uh, oh, are they? No, they're really good. And it's actually a really, really fun, entertaining product. So if you have something you're looking forward to doing maybe this winter, uh, maybe entertain going to some men's volleyball matches. It's high octane. It's it's constant offense. And it's just, it's fun. The environment at the Smith Fieldhouse, as many might have experienced with women's volleyball, it's kind of the same deal. It's really, really high-level volleyball and just fun. It's nonstop action. So uh, fun uh, to have that schedule out. And you obviously can start making your plans to get out to the Smith Fieldhouse uh, in January and February as men's volleyball uh, played their regular season. By the way, they're the only uh, sport at BYU that is not a member of the Big 12 Conference for Athletics because men's volleyball is not offered uh, by the Big 12. They remain members of the MPSF where they have been members for now 30 years uh, going back to 1993. So uh, best of luck to the men's volleyball program and, and what they're trying to accomplish. Obviously make another run at a national title and that elusive national title hunt uh, continues. Uh, wow, we were going to go into 2024. We're going to 20 years since BYU last captured a national title. It was 2004 
was the last time they captured a national championship. They've played in a number of national championship uh, matches since then, but have, but unable, have been unable uh, to bring home that natty. Would like to see them snap that streak at some point in the relatively not-too-distant future. All right, so there you go. That's what I got for you guys here on a Wednesday. A big thank you for all of your support. Thank you for tuning in. I uh, appreciate every one of you who are everydayers with us on the podcast, and obviously we often say thank you for making it your first listen of the day. And let me know your feedback. What do you think? What should BYU push all in on a youth movement? Uh, do you think uh, BYU fans have the stomach to endure that? I'd like to get your guys' feedback on that. It's just like a conversation, like I said. It's a conversation starter uh, right here on the podcast. And until tomorrow, my friends, this has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. Have a great day. See ya.